Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a man who builds a house on rock. Winds blew and the storms rose, but that house stood firm. Father, we pray that as we hear your word today, that we would indeed build our lives on it. That we would weather the storm. That we would be found in you for all eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When was your greatest victory? When did you enjoy your finest triumph? Maybe it was playing for the school team in a final. Or maybe it was a solo sports performance. Or maybe it was just that one time that you managed to beat your brother or sister in Ludo or Tiddlywinks or chess or whatever it was and you finally got a win against them. There's something about us that we all like to recall times of victory no matter how small and we love to celebrate them. As we come to the end of 1 Corinthians 15 today, Paul spells out the implications of a great victory that we can celebrate both today and for all eternity. We've been looking at what the Bible says about the resurrection of the dead in this chapter and Paul now looks to the end and declares in verse 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it might be useful if you turn back so that you can see that passage in the service sheet. Verse 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to look at the victory that Christ has won, the change that will bring in us, And then what that means for us here and now. So first then, the victory that Christ has won. For there to be a victory, there has to be an opponent, an enemy, someone who is defeated. And as we've journeyed through 1 Corinthians 15, we're all too aware of what that enemy is. And as we gather here in church, we're surrounded by reminders of our enemy, death. As someone once said, the only certainties in life are death and taxes. Our enemy, Paul says, is death. And death is painful for those who are left behind, those who mourn the loss of loved ones. But the Bible here goes further and says that there is a sting to death, like a bee sting. There's a sting, verse 56, and that sting is sin. The needle point that threatens and 
does the damage. Death comes as a result of sin and grieves us. And sin gets its power from the law. From what God has commanded. As we break God's law, as we disobey and rebel, then that sin stings us and we fall into the hands of our enemy. Every every so often you hear of how a bee sting can kill. But with the sin sting, death is a certainty. As we've already heard in recent weeks, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So what shall we do? What can we do in the face of such a powerful enemy? Our enemy, it looks like, will always triumph. Or will he? Faced with our enemy, how can Paul taunt death in verse 55? Look at it with me. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? And you want to say, Paul, wise up. Death wins every time. Death wins, its sting has stung. Yet Paul has been writing about the resurrection of Jesus and how Jesus' resurrection affects us. So that he can burst out in that shout of praise in verse 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death affects us because of sin. But our sin has been dealt with because as verse 3 reminded us right at the start of the chapter, Christ died for our sins. He died the death that we deserve. He has been raised again. He has won the victory over death because Jesus didn't stay dead. So when will this happen? This victory will be completed when he returns, when he brings the great change of verses 51 to 54. You see, so far uh, as we've been thinking about the resurrection, uh, Paul has been thinking about those who have died, those who have already fallen asleep. But as he describes what will happen on the last day, he is revealing Uh, Verse 51, a mystery. Behold, I tell you, a mystery. Something hidden that is now revealed. A special apostolic revelation for the encouragement of Christians. And Paul says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Not all Christians will die. Some will be alive when Jesus returns. But no matter whether we're dead or alive, we shall all be changed. It's like that announcement you sometimes hear on a bus or on a train. All change. This one can only take you so far and after that 
and you must get on another one for your final destination. And we see this in verse 50. Look at it with me. Where perishable flesh, flesh and blood, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We need a new imperishable and immortal body. The trumpet will sound the music of celebration, of triumph. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in the time that it takes to bat an eyelid, the Lord will appear and everything be changed. Any moment could be that moment. It could happen before we finish this morning. It could be tonight. It could be any time. But what will the change be like? Verse 53 helps us. This perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. Not immorality, but immortality. And as I said last week, our bodies are... Weak, they're falling apart. But they will be made new. And will never die or fail or fade. In the same way that you thankfully put on clothes today to come to church. So when we go to glory we put on immortality. The new imperishable body. It's still us, but we're clothed in that new body. And it's whenever this change takes place, when we are clothed with immortality, whenever we we, we put on our new eternal uh, garment, that death is swallowed up in victory. And that line uh, that Paul uh, uses comes from Isaiah 25, from our, our first reading. And in that reading in verse 7, it shows us the universal problem that, that death is like a sheet or a veil. It's, it's like a, a, a blanket over all peoples. None are exempt. But he, that is God, will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. And where will this happen? Isaiah 25 tells us, on this mountain. Jerusalem, the mountain of the Lord, where Jesus rose from the dead and swallowed death whole. And so we can be confident that death does not have the last word. That Jesus has triumphed. Sometimes I go to watch the Northern Ireland match, uh, matches at Windsor Park. And uh, it's great whenever they're winning. There's a, there's a brilliant sense of crack. And I know it's not entirely right. But sometimes it's great fun to, to make fun of the opposition. 
if they're losing. And uh, you might remember, it's a long while ago now, whenever England came, uh, about 2005 was it, and uh, David Healy scored that goal and, and, and Northern Ireland beat England. And the, the chant that night was, who are you? All these big players, they thought they were so famous and, and, and so good. Who are you? That Northern Ireland can beat you. The other one that sometimes uh, is shouted is, are you England in disguise? Because we're beating you and we beat England. Making fun of the enemy. And verse 55, Paul is doing the same thing. With those chants, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Yes, you may take loved ones from us, but you will not triumph. They merely sleep. And they will be freed from your grasp as they rise and we rise with them. And together we are changed and clothed in the power of Christ. And made like Christ's resurrection body, never more to die. Who are you? This is our future hope as Christians. As those who trust in the death of Christ for our sins And his resurrection for our victory over death. I'm sure you know that when a bee stings someone. It dies soon afterwards. Well death has stung Jesus. He has drawn its poison. And death itself is defeated. What a glorious future. It's no wonder we rejoice as we look forward. So that even our mourning is transformed. So that as Paul says elsewhere. You may not grieve as others do. Who have no hope. We can look forward with certainty to that reunion. Through Christ's resurrection. Now I don't know about you. But I almost want Paul to finish on verse 57 with that high triumphant note that note of thanks and praise as we see clearly the victory won and the promise that we will share in it but that's not where Paul ends instead he writes verse 58 as he draws out the implications of the whole chapter you see it's because of Jesus resurrection It's because of the world to come. And because what we do matters. Therefore. Verse 58. Therefore my beloved brothers. Be steadfast. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that in the Lord. Your labour. Is not in vain. The doctrine. Of the resurrection will lead us. To two things. Being firmly faithful. And abundantly fruitful. So first of all. Firmly faithful. Paul says my. Beloved brothers be steadfast. 
immovable. Paul's teaching on the resurrection is the, is the correction to the Corinthians' tendency to be blown about by false doctrine. You see, all these other teachers were coming in and saying different things and saying, you know, the resurrection is not actually going to happen. Or the resurrection has already happened and you have missed out. But Paul says, no, the resurrection is still to come, so hold fast to it. You know the truth, so stand for a minute. Don't move about. Don't be blown about. Wasn't that how Paul started the chapter? He said, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. Right doctrine means being firmly faithful. But we're also called to be abundantly fruitful. Because Jesus has died and has been raised and he has entrusted us with the work of the gospel and because Jesus will return victorious then we can always abound in the work of the Lord. Always abounding. Can any of us really say that our work for the Lord is always abounding? Or that it's at any times abounding. We're often so slow to speak for Christ. Or to serve Christ. Or to progress in godliness. And yet Paul gives us the motivation for pressing on. For abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Well in those last words he says. Knowing that in the Lord your labour Is not in vain. We are in the Lord. Those who are in Christ. Shall be made alive. Verse 22. We have this sure hope. A hope that is not in vain. And so our labour. Our work for the Lord. And in the Lord is not in vain. Just as our faith. Is not in vain. Jesus is alive. Our work is therefore productive and fruitful as we spread the good news of Jesus, as we, uh, as we share the triumph of victory over sin and death. Which means that whatever it is that you do for the Lord is worth it. Whether it's making tea or Uh, washing dishes or stacking chairs or cleaning the church or uh, sharing with your neighbour or teaching Sunday school or giving up your time to lead an organisation whatever it is it's not wasted because Christ reigns and Christ could return at any moment The English cricketer C.T. Studd 
played in the very first match that led to the Ashes against Australia. He was very famous in England at the time in the 1880s and yet he gave it all up to go to China to serve as a missionary. He eventually met his death in Africa where he had moved on to to serve as a missionary again. And he wrote these famous lines. Only one life. It will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ. Will last. What is your greatest victory? If you're in Christ then those sporting achievements pale into insignificance. Our greatest victory is just around the corner, just a heartbeat away when the Lord returns and we share in his victory over death. So how will you respond? Our victory is complete and sure We can celebrate now as we stand firm in the truth of the resurrection. And as we spread the good news to others. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we rejoice that you have called us to share in the victory that Christ has won. We thank you that our future is secured as we trust in Christ. That we will live with you forever. Father, help us to be firmly faithful and abundantly fruitful. Help us to know your grace as we seek to serve you and as we wait for his joyful coming. We pray this for the glory of Jesus. Amen.